Exodus chapter 14 this morning is where we're at. Thank you again for being with us this morning. Got some visitors with us this morning. We're glad that you're here, here also. And again, hope the Lord will speak to your heart. Exodus 14, I want to read just a few verses. Church family, um, this story here is children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt. We all understand the story. Uh, the Lord had some things planned for Israel that Israel didn't know was planned. Um, and again, for instance, if you look at your Bible there in chapter 13, look at verse 17, 13, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Church family, you know, God knows what we need, even, when, even though sometimes we think things are by accident. God knows exactly what we need. The children of Israel needed to go by the way of the Red Sea. And the reason for it is because God was going to take care of the Egyptians. I, was, uh, I alluded to it a little bit during the Sunday school hour, but I just want you to know that everything that's going on in the United States of America is not a surprise to God. And I was, to, again, uh, to not be too redundant, but I stopped listening to the news, okay, as of a week ago, because if I was listening to the news, I'd be so mad as far as what's going on in our country. And church, I mean, if you haven't learned by now, the media, they don't tell the truth. All right? And I know that you have some conservative branch that you listen to, but church family, for the most part, you still have lost people given the news. You know, I was thinking about this this morning because you all can get quiet. It's not it's okay. I don't care. But, you know, I was thinking about this this morning about the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt, and I was thinking about the news agency in Cairo. And I was thinking about, you know, here comes Moses and, you know, the, the news agency is telling the Egyptians as far as what's going on. And Moses comes with his rod, throws it down, turns into a snake. And then the magicians, they, they cast their rods down. I can almost hear the news agency saying, you should have been there today. Pharaoh's magicians, all 10 of them made their rod into a snake. No, they don't tell that Moses' rod ate their rods. All right. Okay, you have no imagination. All right. Okay, so... I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, don't worry, don't fret. God's still in control and he knows what he's doing. And this morning I want to preach a message on God is greater. And really the message is really not because of what's going on in our country. Because again, I don't know what's happened in the last few days or even the last week. But I understand this one thing, our th two things. First of all, is our theme for this coming year for 2015 is God is greater. And, and it's interesting because that theme was uh, at least over a month and a half, maybe two months ago, the Lord had been laid on my heart that God is greater. And now when you come into this new year, 2021, boy, just another reminder, God is greater. And uh, listen, it doesn't matter who's controlling the House or who's controlling the Senate or who supposedly is controlling the White House. I know who controls it all. And so again, let's remind us ourselves that when we come as Christians, that we don't worry and fret, that we just simply trust, trust the Lord. And again, and by the way, not just sit back and just wait, but really do what the Lord has for his will is for our life, even in such a time as this. Now I want to talk to you for a little bit on God is greater. You got your Bible again. Turn over to uh, the chapter 14. Look down in verse number 10 with me. Not reading the whole story, but a portion. Verse 10 says this, chapter 14. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in this wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, 
and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Verse 19, And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it, became, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them. Jump down in verse number 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall, on, a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the, into the midst of the sea and even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Hey, can I stop real quick here? Uh, years ago, they had made different films of that about uh, the 10 plagues and Moses. I don't know all the story. In that. But, but can I just tell you, Pharaoh died at the Red Sea. You know, I know they like to make for good motion pictures and he watched everybody. But you know, it's interesting when you look at your Bible there and it says all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. If you look in chapter 15, verse number 19, I just want to help you movie critics uh, understand what really took place. Chapter 15, verse 19 says, for the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots, all right? I'm just telling you on that day, Pharaoh died. And he died with everybody else because he didn't believe God and didn't obey God. Okay, we took care of that. Let's go on to where we were now. Jump back to chapter number 14. Verse number 24, And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire on the end of the, end of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 26, Stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of, of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were, in, were a wall unto them on their right hand, on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Father, again, I ask for your help this morning. Lord, would you again speak to our hearts. Lord, may our focus, may our thoughts, may they be upon thee. May we not be thinking about anything else this morning. Lord, speak to us. May our prayer be that. Speak to us. Help us. Lord, help every Christian in this morning to understand you're greater. And Lord, if there's somebody here that's not a believer, help them to understand you're greater. And Lord, help them to understand the salvation. Lord, we begin. Thank you for saving us. Now help us today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. The background of the story is pretty simple as far as the Pharaoh following the Israelites. They get to the Red Sea. God uses Moses. And of course, uh, the Red Sea parts, makes a wall. Children of Israel go over on dry ground. Egyptian army comes to follow. And of course, God kills them in, in there. You know, Pharaoh, the question was with Pharaoh was, who is the Lord? All right. And what he was trying to say is, God's not greater. He's trying to say, God... Can, cannot tell me what to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I, logically, I can't imagine a person who's going through these 10 plagues that didn't finally say after the first one, okay, hey, this is different, I, I shouldn't do this. You know, you think about the, the, the 10 plagues, and of course, the water was turned to blood, and of course, you've got the flies, and you've got the lice, and you've got uh, the locust, and you've got the darkness, and you've got the pestilence, and all of a sudden, the last plague, you got the death of the firstborn. And, you know, it took, to, it took until Pharaoh lost somebody in his house to finally say, okay, get out of here. We don't want you here any longer. And there's a grieving process. And then, uh, then there becomes an anger of why did we let these people go? All right. The, the, the Egyptians, they were Democrats, by the way. The Egyptians, 
enjoyed having people that would work for them and pay the bill and be the working class of people. And so when they let them go, the Democrats figured out, hey, listen, we have nobody to, to pay our bills any longer. Hey. Church family, this is in the Hebrew if you look deep enough. All right. So anyway, so here you have the children of Israel, and they said, what, did we, what have we done? I mean, they've built these treasure cities for us. We should not have let them go. And so, so obviously, he did not see things through God's eyes because God's greater. And he was greater than Pharaoh, and he was greater than the nation of, this, of, nation of Egypt. And again, I just want to point out some things in this passage that no matter what takes place in our society, no matter what takes place in your home, I'm just telling you God is greater. Brother Martin is not with us, evangelist out of our church. His uh, sister's funeral, I think, is at 1.30 this afternoon, I believe. Continue to keep, him, keep them in your prayers. And uh, again, her death was unexpected. There are things like that that's going to happen in your life that are unexpected, but you have to keep the focus. God knows what he's doing. He's in control. He is greater than any problem I'm going to face. It doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it's a son or daughter going wayward. It doesn't matter if I'm having problems in my marriage. It doesn't matter what the problem is. God's greater than your problem. And God can take care of whatever it is. And I want to tell you, uh, I knew when all the chaos started that every time I listened to the news that it was affecting my spirit as far as what was taking place. And that's why I stopped listening to the news. And, you know, as a Christian, I don't know if you've been keeping up with things, but I, you need to put yourself in a calm realizing God is still on his throne. And, when, and, and I mentioned it in the morning in the Sunday school hour, and I want to just say it again. We have the book of Revelation. We know what the final chapter says. And we understand that God is in control now and he will always be in control because he's God. But I want you to notice what took place with the children of Israel that really proved that God was greater and that would really help us to understand and to think about how great our God is. Look at your Bible now. Let's just point out just a couple things. I'm going to back up one chapter in Exodus chapter 13 because in chapter 14 is when this great miracle takes place as far as them being swallowed up in the Red Sea. But in Exodus 13, before the miracle... Look what he says in Exodus 13, verse number three. And Moses said unto the people, what's the next three words? Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage. Look at chapter, chapter 13, look at verse 14, same chapter, verse 14. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what is this? That thou shalt say unto them, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us, uh, brought us out from Egypt and from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go. Remember, they're, they're relaying this to their children. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for the frontlets between thine eyes. For by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. You know what God told the children of Israel? He says, listen. I want to tell you that I am greater than Pharaoh, and Pharaoh might be leaving Egypt to follow you, and he's got his 600 chariots, and he's got all the horses that, he, that, he, that are left, and he says, they think they've got you pinned in because the Red Sea's in front of you and the wilderness on both sides, and they, he thinks he's going to destroy you, but I'm greater. And the first thing that God says is, remember. Remember the day you came out of Egypt. How many saved this morning say amen? amen. How many of you can remember when you got saved? How many remembers the date? Raise your hand. You remember the date you got saved? I want to tell you something. Our salvation is not dependent upon our memory, all right? My salvation is dependent upon Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. I got saved when I was 11. Can't even tell you the exact date, but it was a Sunday morning in a month of March. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't say, God, thank you for saving me. Can I tell you what will help you? 
to understand that God is greater through whatever you're going through in your life and what's going on in our world right now. I want to tell you what causes me to remember that, that I'm saved, that I'm on my way to heaven. And God told the children of Israel, which Egypt is the picture of the world, and it's a picture of coming out of that bondage of sin, remember the day you got saved. He told the children of Israel, I want you to remember the 430 years to the day that you were bondmen in Egypt. He says, I want you to remember the 10 plagues when you were in Egypt. I want you to remember how you spoiled the Egyptians that when you went and borrowed from them when you left Egypt. He said, but I want you to remember that. And because I, I, I want it to be a constant reminder that I'm the one that chose the day for you to come out of Egypt. I want it to be a constant reminder that I sent the 10 plagues. I want it to be a constant reminder that I increased your, your goods because of spoiling the Egyptians. Why? Because it was the day that I brought you out of sin, out of bondage. When things go disarray in your life, you just need to simply remember the day you got saved. On the front of the Lord's table, we have this for, uh, we call it the Lord's table because of the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper, this do in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of my salvation. Yes, it's a reminder of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, but it's a reminder of my salvation. Every time I pray the model prayer and every morning that I start the day off, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you talk to the Lord in your morning devotion. You know what it's a reminder of? It's a reminder of the day you got saved. You know, every time you pass a gospel track and you tell somebody, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? When you get a chance, would you read this track? It talks about Jesus Christ and how he died for you. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus, you know what that is? It's a reminder of your salvation. Amen. That's what we should be remembering. And can I also add to that, that every time there comes a trouble in your life, it ought to be a reminder of your salvation. Every time that you have a problem, a circumstance, an affliction, a trial, a heartache, a physical problem. Can I just tell you that it ought to be a reminder, this world is not your home. One day I'm going to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. It'll be forever. We have several widows in our church. Mrs. Smith uh, losing Brother Kirkland Smith. Uh, Mrs. Gracie Morris, who's not here this morning, losing her husband. Mrs. Compton. I'm talking about people who have been in the church here for years and their, their husbands have passed away. Mrs. Edwards, as far as losing Brother Edwards. And again, without missing, there are others in here this morning where you've lost your spouse. And we have funerals here at the church. And the only thing that helps a person through that funeral is just simply, no, I'm going to see them again. And more than I'm going to see Christ again. I'm going to see him as my own personal savior. And this morning, can I just tell you that God is greater. And when you're going through a problem in your life, just remember, just remember the day you got saved. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. I can't stress enough. You're not going to go to heaven because you went to church this morning. You're not going to go to heaven because you've been baptized. You're not going to go to heaven because you live a good life. You're not going to go to heaven because you treat your neighbor like you want to be treated. The only way a person goes to heaven is what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is to put your faith, believe, and receive, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you've never done that, I hope that you will. And if you've done it, may it be a reminder on a regular basis that God's greater. Something else, look in your passage there, uh, there chapter 14 now. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10 says this in Exodus 14. It says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Look at the phrase now. And they were sore, what? They were sore afraid. Now jump down to verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, what's the next three words? Fear ye not. Now, I don't know about you, church family, but this, again, some, some things of the story, I know what happened, but it doesn't make sense to me. And I want to tell you why it doesn't make sense to me. What doesn't make sense is the children of Israel saw the ten plagues. It doesn't make sense is that they saw God bring them out of the land of Egypt. And I'll tell you what makes no sense to me either is that the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was in front of them. Look at your Bible again. Look at uh, verse number, chapter 13, verse 21, last of the chapter. 13, verse 21. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light 
to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. We are no better than children of Israel, but we oftentimes allow turmoil to cloud our vision when we simply do not see what God is doing around us. It's like we're blinded to what God's doing around us. Church family, you're still breathing. You still have good health. You still have a good job. You still have your family. All of those things happen because of God, because the Bible says man's goings are of the Lord. In other words, what I have is not what I've done. What I have is what God's given to me. And that's everything from family to finances and everything else. And we have to remember, we have nothing to be afraid of. Church, let me turn over to 2 Timothy real quick. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. All right, we'll come back to Exodus. But look at 2 Timothy with me. If you've got your Bible, 1 and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. New Testament. And jump down to verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. This is, a, this is kind of a familiar verse, but sometimes we don't read beyond the verse. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear. Fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, uncorrupt mind, and sound mind. Look at verse number 8. Be not thou therefore. In other words, because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind, therefore, be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Church, I mean, we have nothing to be ashamed about. Church, are you with me so, so far this morning? All right. Is it warm in here to y'all? Y'all warm? I'm warm. All right. I thought it was just me. All right. I don't know what to tell you. All right. We can open the doors, but are y'all going to be able to stay awake okay? All right. I've got two more hours and I'll be done. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, trying to think. I'm just trying to make sure. I don't want to be offensive this morning. You know, the COVID is a real thing, and we all understand that. And most of you know that, you know, um, personally, I'm not a mask wearer, all right? I know that might be a little bit offensive, and I hope it's not offensive. Um, I, I, I have put on a mask before. Um, I, when I make hospital visits, I wear a mask. Uh, they wouldn't let me get my driver's um, plate renewed uh, without going in, and they made me put a mask on. And I didn't fight. I didn't hit anybody. I didn't fight anybody and cuss anybody out. I just went in and put the mask on. Okay? I just did it, okay? But to be honest with you, um, you know, again, I'm not getting the repercussions of what's going on with COVID, but I don't like wearing a mask. And I want to tell you what I think part of it is. And I've asked the Lord every day, am I supposed to wear a mask everywhere? And God has not told me to wear one. And I know that, I know that sounds like a cop out to you, but it's real to me. Every day of my life, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. I don't want to disappoint you, okay? Um, so if I can get by without wearing one, I, I don't wear one, all right? I come and get cookies and they don't make me wear a mask, which I'm very thankful for, all right? But if they told me I had to wear a mask, I wouldn't buy any cookies. I'd just say, okay, no problem. I'm not going to cause trouble, but I don't like wearing a mask, all right? And I don't think it's because I'm a good Christian. I think it's come because part of me is an American. I'm, I've been given freedom all of my life as an American. And I'm trying to be candid a little bit with you. But, so I don't think it's a matter of that you're a good Christian if you don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. There's nothing wrong with wearing a mask. And the day's going to come, I'll probably put masks out there if you want to wear a mask. Anybody that wants to wear one can wear them. I'm talking about me personally. There's just something about, and I, I understand the, the sickness and we want to hurt others and all that, but you, there's something about being an American. I've been given freedom all my life and then you're going to tell me I have to do this and I have to do this. What are you going to do when they make you take the vaccine? You know, to be honest with you, it's just really what step you're not willing to do. Okay, so for me, it's, I don't like the mask thing, okay? And for you, it might be when they tell me that I have to make, to wear, to do the vaccine. My mother is 75 years old. And this is what she told me. I don't know this because I hadn't seen it. But she told me 
at age 75, she got a letter in the mail from the government that said that if you, that you need to take the vaccine at 75 years of age, and if you take the vaccine, that we're gonna pay you 700 and some dollars. Now, my mother, I, she didn't ask my opinion. She should have. Anyway, she didn't ask my opinion. And so she was just talking, and she said she tore up the letter. She said, she wasn't, she said, I'm, she says, I'm not going to do that. They're not going to make me get a vaccine. Now, for her, that's, you know, I, I'm honest with you. Again, this is me. I hope I'm always honest with you, by the way. But anyway, um, to me, the vaccine is just like the, now I hope I don't offend anybody here. We're getting to some governmental things. Who cares? But, you know, if you want to take the vaccine, take the vaccine, okay? But it goes back to a freedom thing with me as an American. Don't make me take the vaccine. Right. All right. All right, four of you with me so far. So uh, think about saying it. But here's where I was trying to go with that, okay? All right, there's nothing wrong with masks, but as, a, as an American, don't make me wear one. So when I walk into a store, I feel like everybody's watching me. Everybody. And then I have to have, and I always have in the back of my mind, am I going to be confronted? Because I'm not going to cause trouble with anybody. If you want more, I mean, I've got three restaurants in town that I can go to that don't make me wear a mask, okay? And I walk in, they're very nice to me. And I've given those three restaurants a lot of business over the last several months. <laughs> so they love me. <clears throat> I got one restaurant that I go into. They said, we cannot have you come up to the counter without a mask on. But if you go sit down, we'll come take your order. <laughs> so I go in every time. They see me. They come right to my thing. I give my credit card. They bring the food to me. You know what's funny to me? To me, it's not about being a good Christian, this mass thing. It's about, as an American, as I said, but you know, as a Christian, there are things we should stand for because they're Bible. By the way, I have no Bible verse concerning a mass, zero. Okay? There's nothing wrong with her. But you know what? I've got some Bible convictions that I believe, according to the Scripture, we ought to be following regardless if everybody's looking at us or not. I've got nothing to be afraid about. I'm a Christian. My name's written in heaven. I'm going to be forever with God. And we get such, in such a turmoil that when we try to hand out a track, hey, listen, when you get a chance, would you just read this? It's got some Bible verse tells you how you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And when we do that, everybody's watching me. But you're familiar, that's scriptural. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus Christ. Every time we knock on a door, hello, my name's Scott, this is John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. It's like even an invite. More important than going to church is knowing for sure you're going to heaven. And we think to ourselves, man, I could never go to a stranger's door. David Smith, is he here this morning? David Smith is in our church. David Smith uh, is a missionary out of our church going to go to Kenya, doing what we're doing here. He's going to do in Kenya, tell people about Jesus Christ. He came out door knocking yesterday with us, and he got to lead a young boy, uh, a teenage boy, to, the, to Christ. And he, he was telling me before he left, as far as being able to witness, and the boy had come to our church years ago, and he just, if I can say it this way, so happened to come to that boy's door yesterday, knocking on his door, and that boy answered, and he prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. I'm just trying to tell you there's things as a Christian, the world's going to look at you like you're weird, like you're, there's something strange, but you've got nothing to be afraid about. Amen. You know why you have nothing to be afraid about? You've got nothing to be afraid about because the cloud's with you. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night because Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Hey, this whole world can explode. By the way, I don't think that America is in the last days when it comes to the book of Revelation, all right? So we think we're a superpower now. I don't see us as a superpower in the book of Revelation. Oh, so, so guess what? You're not going to be here anyway. All, all I'm trying to say is we've got nothing to be afraid about because we've got God 
And God, he said, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Now look what he says in Timothy, and I'll finish this real quick on the point number, the second thing here. But in verse number seven, he said, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Then he says, be not therefore ashamed in verse number eight of the testimony of our Lord and of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and call us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his what? Own purpose. Church, I mean, you know why we don't have to worry? God is greater. And I want to tell you all the turmoil, God is going to perform his purpose in our life. It's his will. Just remember, how many times have I told you in, in the last year, only two reasons you're alive as a Christian. God said, the reason I made you and put you on this earth is number one, to bring glory to God. And according to Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11, is to do his pleasure. That's the only reason. God didn't make you to make a living. God didn't make you to just live in a particular locale. God made you for two reasons, and that's to bring glory to God and to do his pleasure. The word pleasure means his will, his desire for your life. So guess what? I don't have to be afraid. You know why? He's got a purpose in this whole thing. I believe, I'm starting to believe that Nancy Pelosi is the false prophet or the Antichrist. I'm not sure which. But you know what I don't have to worry about? I'm not going to be here when it all explodes. The rapture is going to take place. I'm going to be in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. So what should we do? Number one, we should remember the day you got saved. Number two, we shouldn't fear. We shouldn't be afraid. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Look at the next thing, chapter 14. Look at verse number 13. Exodus 14. Go back to Exodus. Exodus 14, verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. What's the next two words? Stand still. Stand still. Now, church, that phrase... Church, I am so sorry it's warm in here this morning. You're going to have to stay with me just a few more minutes. That phrase, stand still, has two connotations. Stand still, two connotations, okay? The first connotation, is, as far as this, is when I stand still, I'm not moving. Does that make sense? How many, tell your, how many times you've told your kids, stand still? How many times you've been in a school setting and the teacher said, stand still? Right? You know what we're saying? Don't move. Stand still. So the first thing that, Paul, that Moses, excuse me, is trying to say here is that the children of Israel, God's greater, stand still. In other words, don't move. The second connotation is the idea when we say stand still is what we're trying to say is, I want you to wait. Stand still. Wait. You know, all the problems that you, we have in our life, you know, how many times, my grandma used to say this, she says, this too shall pass. You know, how many times in scripture it says it came to pass. You know, whatever we're going through in our life, this too shall pass. Can I tell you that in, when it comes to knowing that God is greater, sometimes God just wants us to wait. Stand still. Don't move. You know, as Christians, can I tell you, we need to stand our ground. Amen. We need to stand our ground. Church, I mean, I've used this illustration a hundred times. Come here for a second here. But I want you to think, I want you to think this thing through just a moment here. All right, stand over, stand over here, okay? Picture the world, picture the Christian. This is the distance, just this hand. This is the distance. I'm not worldly. I'm a Christian, okay? So there's a distance between me and the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 1 John 2, verse 15. James 4, verse number 4. Ye adulteresses and adulteresses, uh, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. God made you different as a Christian. He wants you, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God wants you to be different. Are you with me so far? So I'm not supposed to be here and do everything the world's supposed to do. So here's what's taking place. I keep a distance between me and the world because I'm a Christian, okay? But what's taking place is the world has taken a step, all right? Which would be to your left. 
the, the world was taking a step to the left, okay? Well, now, because I don't want to look so, un, so weird, I take a step to the left because I still have distance. This is what worldliness is. This is what Christianity is. I still have my distance. I'm not exactly like the world is, but the world takes another step to the left. I want to tell you something. There was a day in our society that nobody would have thought that abortion would become legal. The person who's going to become the next president of the United States already said that on his first day of legislation, he's going to give more rights to the homosexual community. You know what? It's amazing that the, uh, an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist preacher can't say homosexuality is a sin. We've got to be so politically correct, and here's what we've done. We've moved to. We've kept our distance. I'm not exactly like the world. But you're trying to, can I tell you something? Come back over here a second here. Until the Lord comes back, the world is going to continue to get worse. You, hey, listen, you think it's pretty crazy that our town has gay right parades, and we think it's awful crazy that some of the stuff that's going on, that you can have an abortion in your third trimester, and all these things that are going on in our society that just seem so wacky, where all of a sudden evolution is taught as a fact and not as a theory? Can I tell you? It's going to continue to get worse as, it takes, as the world goes to the left. Guess what you're supposed to do? Stand still. World's going to take another step to the left. Guess what you're supposed to do? Stand still. The world's going to take another step to the left. Guess what you're supposed to do? Stand still. And you know what churches like this church is going to look like? That's a cult. You know what churches like this is going to look like? Those folks have lost their mind. But church, I want to tell you why they think we lost their mind. Because the world continues to get worse. The Christian is not supposed to follow suit because what's taking place is you are exactly where the world was 10 years ago and you call yourself a Christian? I want to tell you what hadn't changed. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to tell you what hasn't changed. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. I am the Lord, I change not. So when it comes to the scripture, I'm supposed to live my life according to that book, not according to the church. When it, comes to, to, when it comes to the scriptures, I'm supposed to live my life according to that book, not according to how I was raised. When it comes to me as a Christian, I'm, not, I'm supposed to live my life according to that book, not according to what pastor says. And the world's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse. But there needs to be somebody that just stands still. Amen. And you know what that'll do? It reminds me again, God's greater. Amen. God's greater than Pharaoh. God's greater than Egypt. God's greater. Thank you so much. Appreciate your help. You make a good worldly person. <laughs> okay, so God's greater. What do I do? I need to remember the day I got saved. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm not afraid. I need to make sure I stand. I need to stand still. Look at the last thing in chapter 14. Look at verse 14 with me. Chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they... What's the next two words? Go forward. Church family, I know it sounds crazy, and I can't even give you a logical reason, but I know starting a church in Topeka during all this COVID stuff going on is probably the craziest thing in the world. You know, I don't understand... You know, there's things that are out of my control. It's out of my control that we can't go into the nursing homes like we have in the retirement homes and have services. It's out of my control that we're not no, no longer going to the juvenile detention center. It's out of my control that we're no longer going to the Topeka Correctional Facility. There are certain things that are just out of my control. I can't do anything about it. I'm talking about as your pastor, it's out of my control. 
But I want to tell you there's one thing as a Christian. What, what I don't want to happen is this. I'm okay with standing still. We're going to hold our ground. The world continues to get worse. But can I tell you what should not happen as a Christian? Let me face this direction. What should not happen? I shouldn't backslide. Are you all with me? Shouldn't backslide. I'm either got to stand still and wait for God to do something, or we're going forward. Are you all with me this morning? Okay, so I can't get into the prison right now. And we, we, we had services of 100 ladies coming to the services, and we were able to give the gospel. And we almost every week, or at least every other week, people were getting saved and lives were being changed and helped. I know we can't do that right now. But can I tell you something? God did not just intend for us just to sit here and not do anything to point people to Jesus Christ while COVID is going on. You know, Cooper and Carol, I saw yesterday. It's neat to see Cooper and Carol out there, you know, bus calling. Cooper, how long have you been coming to church here now? Three years, is that what you said? Two and a half. You know, it's neat to see somebody that gets in and just wants to go forward. You know, there's some Christians, you've been saved a long, long time, and I, you ought to ask the Lord, are you going forward? Are you just existing? Are you just going to wait until Jesus comes back? And, you know, okay, I've got my mansion already secured, so, you know, we'll just enjoy life until he comes. He saved you. He loved you. He wants you to serve him. You know, you ought to have, in your, you ought to have a t something in your mind that I want to go forward in my Christian life. And the church, I mean, listen, I know there's things you can't do. I know there's things we can't do as a church. But can I tell you something? Yes, you need to go forward in your devotions. And yes, you need to go forward in soul winning. And yes, you need to go forward in your church attendance. And yes, you need to go forward in your giving. But you need to have something in your life that's pushing you. I want to do more for God, not less for God. You know, the world just wants you to, you know, wait till Jesus comes. And I know we're supposed to wait for him, but we're all supposed to work for him. What are you doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you, are you spending time in prayer? Are you giving, going, telling? Are you, are you letting your light shine? Are you ashamed of him when someone points you out as a Christian? Are you like Peter? I know not the man. I'm just telling you that as Christians, we've got to go forward. We're living in a day like never before of compromise. Of, you know, it, can we come to a consensus here? Can we come to an agreement here? Church, when the, when the uh, uh, back in, I don't remember the dates now, but March, April, May, when the uh, sheriff uh, finally came to my office with the health department inspector and says, you can't have church. And I'll never forget, I had, Brother Myers, were you in that meeting also? I think deacons were in that meeting. So the health inspector and the, the sheriff is in my office and they said, hey, listen, all right, then if you're, if you're going to have church, we have to come to a consensus. Now, I want to tell you what the word consensus meant for them, compromise. And you know what compromise is? I give a little, they give a little, so we can meet somewhere in the middle. Now, church family, as a Christian, that's compromise. We don't give a little so they can give a little, so we can only be half-worldly and not whole-worldly. We've got a Bible in our hand that tells us how we're supposed to live the Christian life. <laughs> Stories told of a bear and a hunter, and the hunter comes upon the bear and he's got his gun drawn, and he's about ready to shoot this bear. And the bear says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a fictitious story. <laughs> and the bear looks at the hunter and says, hey, we need to come to a compromise here. And the hunter and the bear sat down together. 
And the bear looked at the hunter and said, okay, what do you want out of this? He, and the hunter said, I want a fur coat. And the hunter said to the bear, what do you want? He says, I just want a full stomach. <laughs> so we're going to negotiate. The bear was the only one to leave. The bear got his full stomach and the hunter got his fur coat. We live our Christian life like you can bargain with Satan. Like, you know, I can find out how Satan won't give me such a hard time as long as I'm semi-close to the world. And act, I, I, it's, it's okay. Trisha, I'm not listening this morning. I'm not trying to make you a Baptist. I'm not trying to make you a church. I'm not trying to make you me. But I am trying to say that if you're saved and you've got a father in heaven, you've got a book in your hand that tells you how to get close to him. And one of those ways is be clean. I don't know for sure what the days are going to hold. I sure hope the Lord comes back today. But if he doesn't, I, don't, I think the days, the perilous times, I think they're on us already. But I think it's going to get worse. Amen. You know, when this thing all started back in March, the one thing that really bothered me the most, and I, mentioned, I alluded to it in another service, but I, the one thing that bothered me the most is that I did not want to hurt you as a congregation because I love you. And what I was afraid of is that we would have division. I was afraid that there'd be some people that, Pastor, the government said not to have church. You shouldn't have church. I'm not coming here anymore because you're going to have church and the government told you not to. And my explanation to that is that God is greater than man and God said not forsaking the assembly of yourselves. If you feel like it's a health problem, you should not come until that health problem is taken care of. But it doesn't stop the church from having church. And it should not cause division among us. A church family, listen to me. This church, in my opinion, had gotten spiritually stronger because you went through a trial and you had to decide whether you were going to really obey the Bible or whether you were going to obey government. And that doesn't go over very well. And that is a decision that every person's got to make. And I think you're going to have to make it in the days ahead. I think it's going to be a bigger decision. And church, I'm telling you, I'm the... There are better pastors than I am. I'm sorry, I'm not what I should be. My personality sometimes comes through the preaching. I want the Holy Spirit of God to come through the preaching. But you're not here because of me. And you're not here because you felt good during a service. You're here because you love God and you want to know him. And I want to tell you, you think we're in perilous times. What you, you're, you're going to have to decide. And can I tell you something? I have already talked to several preachers just in conversation, and they are really sorry they closed their doors because their people never came back. Right. I hate even using that statement. I, I shouldn't have said it that way. Because you're not their people. You're God's people. But they stopped coming back to church because they got to a place where they got comfortable because the government said, you can still have church, just have it online and stay home. Well, the government is not God. Amen. And by the way, if you're sick, stay home. Come in here and cough on all of us. Come on. I'm going to put a mask on you. All right. I'm done. Church family, I'm telling you in the days ahead, would you please just remember God's greater. He's greater than everything. He was greater than Pharaoh, and he's still greater than Pharaoh. And what you need to do, as far as knowing that God is greater, is you need to remember the day you got saved. What, what you need to do when it comes to this thing of God is greater, is you need to make sure you don't be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. He's always there. 
you need to remember that during this time, I'm going to stand for God. God's greater. All I can do is stand. I don't have to move. God is greater. You need to make sure that you go forward. And you need to go forward for God. And you need to go forward in your spiritual life. God's greater. Can you say that with me together? God is greater. You ready? God is greater. Say it again. God is greater. He is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?